right, here we are finally, the Idiopod. Here we are, unbelievable episode one. Uh, we are so glad you're here, wherever you are listening to this right now. Thank you so much. Um, we are uh, embarking on a new journey, and it's just been an absolute blast. Uh, TJ and I getting to sit with some really cool people. So welcome to episode one. I'm TJ Stone. Shane Glover. And this is what we were originally calling idiosynchronicity for the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. You'll probably hear that in our talks. Yes. Uh, but we, we learned very quickly that we can barely say that word. <laughs> That's true. And no one really knows what it means even yeah. when we try to describe it. So explaining it on every episode already started to feel a little weird. Yeah, so we just said, oh, Idiopod, oh, that's available, and that can mean a lot of different things to different people, Mm -hmm. even like we're the two idiots talking to people, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying that as as you're listening to our podcast, you're a fan of Idiopod, so you're an idiot. I'm not saying that. No. It could be. It could be. It could be an endearing If you want it to be a thing, I'm totally cool with it. We're totally cool with having our fans be idiots because we're idiots. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, so we also found out very quickly that uh, idiosynchronicity when it comes to websites and the social media and uh, artwork and all of that was a very difficult word to work with. I couldn't even get uh, the lovely Kaylee Sullivan who helped do our thumbnail to be able to right. spell the word and get it yeah. to fit it in there totally. on, on the picture. So. Uh, but it is a term that, that we are using uh, as we're listening back to different episodes uh, behind the curtain where we've been banking episodes for our launch mm-hmm. October 28th, which if you're listening to this, has come. And um, we use the term idiosynchronicity. So just in the interest of that not throwing you for too much of a loop, we're going to explain to you what that means to mm-hmm. us because that's where we got Idiopod from. Right. Um, and what I was saying to people was it's when the idiosyncrasies, the, the sort of weird things that happen in life, collide with the synchronicities in our stories, those those times where it's just like everything's in perfect alignment, mm-hmm. it's meant to be, and that's when you get those big turning point mm-hmm. moments in life, of which, if you listen to the conversations we've been having, sure. so many of them are coming up, and that's kind of the framework for a lot of our conversations. And there was another avenue as well of the word where we all have idiosyncrasies uh, in our own lives. And so we, you, you, what you've gone through may, is going to be very different from what I've gone through. But at the same time, there are synchronicities in our stories that totally connect us all. And so we're all bringing our own idiosyncrasies and identities and all that to the table. And at the same time, we're all connected, which is really super cool. And we've already experienced that as well through all these interviews. It's been awesome. And and some of what we've talked about in episode one, uh, since we're recording this intro af- about six weeks after our initial recording, mm-hmm. uh, I know I mentioned that I left teaching. That was a big part of my story I was unpacking. And I, I said I had an interview, and that by the time this, this podcast drops officially, I might actually be teaching again. And it turns out that is the case. I'm actually teaching at a Christian school, Restoring Hope Christian Academy in Hendersonville, English and Civics, to high school and middle schoolers. 
And I never thought I'd be doing that again. It's just an interesting uh, sense of humor that God has. (laughs) Sure does. Sure does. And also something that, that has happened since then is I don't have to be totally responsible for the recording of all these now. I just got to make sure we got good levels and don't red out too much. And the uh, wonderful Justin Glotzbach, uh, who's actually on staff at Journey Church uh, as an audio engineer, has come alongside us as a producer. Yes. Thank you for Justin. Big props to Justin. Already doing some great work for us. Well, awesome, man. Again, thank you guys for uh, joining us here on our uh, initial episode, episode one of Idiopod. I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, whatever you're listening to, please subscribe, rate, review. All that good stuff obviously helps us to be found by other people who are looking to, uh, you know, just really enjoy and and connect with uh, the stories of some really, really interesting people. Absolutely. And check us out for all the socials and everything on idiopod.com. And if you like what you hear in this intro episode or you want to skip the intro episode and come back to it later, uh, we also have some great conversations dropping uh, with some cool people. So check those out too. Awesome. are we and why in the world have we decided to start a podcast so let's let's get into that a little bit tj who who are you i am tj stone i am a dude who originally grew up in south carolina come about a dozen years ago to nashville for the music industry kind of had my back and forth with that uh Mostly lack of success, Le- learning what not to do, mm-hmm. uh, kind of been all around it. Uh, eventually got into teaching and then uh, found my wife, who's a clinical psychologist that works with pediatrics, does a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Now, she told me that she found you. She did find me. Okay. On Perfect. eHarmony. eHarmony. Yes, yeah, she messaged me. That's what I'm talking about. Which I always remind her of when she's... <laughs> When she's fussing at me about something, I'm like, well, you, you started this that's thing. That's right. <laughs> you picked me. Yeah. So, but, so, so our getting together really facilitated a lot of like growth and personal work and stuff on my behalf. I mm-hmm. felt like I was like on the, the accelerated program of, of like unpacking my story and stuff and within like our first few months of marriage uh, we married about a year into dating and then within our first few months of being married we both joined uh, this group called wellspring uh which it's it's a non-profit christian organization that that takes you into groups of of four guys or four girls depending on who you are Mm -hmm. and it's really just unpacking the lies of identity Oh. Uh, that you've believed because of family of origin or, or whatever traumas you've been through. And it was such a healing process and helped me to, like I'd never examined what is my story before until I had to go through it with these guys. And they call it the whole process, the battle for the heart. It really was that. Um, and that was 
that was such a shaping thing for me and and for Amanda. Mm -hmm. uh, she went through it. She started the process first, and then I got a group of guys and went through it. And we were kind of for a few months going through it at the same time together and just mm -hmm. learning and growing. And it it probably put us five years ahead of the curve. Oh wow! Just in that first year, and it's. I think we'll both eventually go through it again when mm -hmm. we find the right people and the right time and just help lead and shepherd a group through it again. Because there's people who's been through this thing like over a dozen times and get something new out of it every time. But but what it did for me was it helped me to actually examine who I was uh, when I wasn't having to fill the roles that were placed on me. Sure. Like, who am I? When nobody else is around, when there's no specific demand put on me, mm. uh, what's my initial energy? And before I discovered the Enneagram, before I discovered any of that, that process of just unpacking my story, how I got to be to where I am and who I am, was such a... It was like starting life over at 30. Wow. So we, we come back about a year ago... Uh, so I had to chase her around for a couple of years mm -hmm. while she was finishing up her PhD because she had to get placed. It's like a placement system. Gotcha. Uh, she interviewed at like a dozen sites. Uh, ended up in Jackson, Mississippi for a year. Uh, then a postdoc in Portland, Oregon for a year. Uh, this coincided with me going back to grad school. I finished grad school to go into teaching a month before we moved cross-country to Mississippi. Uh. So so our, our journeys were paralleling, but I was having to hit reset and start over totally every year, whereas she was going to a job right. that was guaranteed. So there was a lot of like really having to get back into my story and, and figuring out what, where, who am I when I don't know anybody in this sure. town. Yeah, and I have no friends telling me you know, oh well, you know, there's no shared experience. It's it's a it's a total reset every time. You know, you've oh, moved yeah. multiple times. Oh yeah. Uh, but that was my first experience doing that since first moving to Nashville when I was really young, and I already knew people here because I was coming back and forth for like five years okay. doing stuff with mm -hmm. the music business. Um. So so that was a hard time for me, and I I think I'm still just kind of on the back end of that. I worked at six schools in just under three years. Wow. Just because of how we yeah. were moving around and circumstances. Um, and uh, when we come back, I ended up at a school that I just knew wasn't right for me. And I felt God pulling me out of it. Mm. And there was a lot of tension there. Amanda was mad at me <laughs> for a while. There's still probably a little disappointment in like we thought a whole nother income was coming in mm -hmm. but at the same time i felt like uh god was showing me just the brokenness in the public education system and, and that yes this whole purpose of me learning how to you know work with kids i had just been a volunteer youth pastor for like a year in portland mm -hmm. which i was running away from ministry all my life because my dad was in ministry, and I saw how it jacked him up right. so bad to where he was like on his own search for who is God, do I even believe I'm still a Christian yep. kind of thing sure. for 15 years, right? all of my growing up years. 
So I was like, I want no part of that, basically. Like, I believe in God. Uh, my mom always took me to church. But it was kind of funny. The moment I started to see myself as a servant going into teaching, that was when God really started working on my heart and ministry and providing all these opportunities to delve into it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's been working with youth and working with kids. Sure. And I was the only child. I never babysat. That was never on my radar as a thing. It was through the music industry that I started working with kids who were coming into town wanting to be the next Taylor Swift. Oh, interesting. And I started teaching them how to do all the things that, you know, I learned the hard way, like the basics of writing a song. What's a good manager? What's not a good manager? If they're telling you this, go the other way. You know, never pay people to do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. How do you make a cheap demo that's good enough to get you in the door kind of thing? The the stuff I needed somebody to tell me, but I learned the hard way. Uh, And it was through working with kids like that that made me actually want to go into teaching. And then when I got into teaching, I realized it wasn't actually the teaching of the kids that brought me life. It was the relationally just being with them and sort of mentoring them through difficult things. sure. And I got to work in a a really tough school in Jackson, Mississippi, teaching high school kids with a huge gang presence. I was breaking up fights on the regular, Hmm. in my room, on the bus line, in the cafeteria. And it's it's a lot of shame. It's a lot of toxic masculinity. It's a lot of people needing like a surrogate father figure in their Mm -hmm. story just showing them at key moments like what's cool to do what's not cool to do Mm -hmm. and just being able to understand the difficulties in their stories and say hey i see you i see the talent in you and i see another way to go than what everything in your life is telling you is the only way to go sure and i helped a couple kids get into college that never probably would have went to college I knew a kid that saw his best friend get shot and killed in front of him, mm-hmm. trying to run from the gang life that he felt trapped to. And I got to see him and walk with him as he left that. Wow. In just a year of being in a situation, oh, I didn't even want to be at that school. I started uh, I started a, uh, what you call it, a charter school. I helped mm-hmm. start a charter school, and then okay. I realized it was way too militaristic yeah. for my liking. It was like basically using shame to control behavior. Right. And I couldn't get down with that because I saw kids shutting down left and right, and that was part of the process. They, they did six weeks just on breaking kids down before you even taught them any content. Wow. And I said, I can't do this because I would be one of those kids that shuts down and stays shut down. Right. I know myself enough. Sure. Yeah. And I said, I can't, I can't be a part of this. I'd rather teach in the more difficult schools, the older kids than to be a part of the problem. Right. Man. And so long story short, I left teaching uh, in October of last year, so we're actually recording this. You know, this will be dropping in October of 2019. We're recording this about three months out mm-hmm. behind the curtain. Yeah. But uh, 
I might actually be teaching again by the time this this drops because mm-hmm. I have an interview in a couple couple days. We'll there see how go. that goes. Yeah, man. Um, but I needed this space to just uh, be with God and see what He was calling me to in my heart because I'm always have always been very driven towards specific things right. and specific goals. Right now, it's the podcast, you know. And I have to I have to check my heart on that and, and, and actually examine the heart behind those things sure. to where I'm not just event and goal driven. Mm-hmm. I have to know what the purpose behind the goal is. And I think for me, the purpose behind doing this is it is a ministry. Mm-hmm. And what I found in, you know, nine months of doing mostly professional volunteer work uh, and working with people and talking to people on the regular is you know, just talking to people and being open and being vulnerable mm-hmm. is a ministry in and of itself. Um, it's it's sort of a pastoral role and a privilege, uh, regardless if there's ever a, a red sin involved in it. It's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. Sure. Um, and what I realized is, you know, I've been afforded a lot of opportunities for self-awareness and vulnerability and things that most guys, it takes a long time to even start to get there. I know it took a lot. I was on like the accelerator program and I'm not halfway where I need to be, but I'm enough to where I can help others on their process. And I've seen that just work in so many cool ways. And it's just as much a blessing for me to talk to folks Mm -hmm as it is for anybody. Yeah. And that's really when you and I started talking mm-hmm. and, and met in the last year and yeah. some of the conversations we've had, I'm like, you know, somebody really needs to be in on listening to this. Cause I know I'm getting a ton out of it. Right. It's feeding my spirit. Sure. I would love to just be able to do that and it feed other people's spirits too. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so uh, I'm Shane, Shane Glover, and uh, I am 43 years of age. Oh, I didn't say my age. I'm 35. <laughs> he is the younger of the two. Uh, he, I have some gray in my beard and a little bit in my hair, and TJ is a Bic guy. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got the bic head. And so uh, just to give you a little bit of a visual as we uh, come to you over the airwaves... Um, but I, um, I grew up in Indiana and, um, wow, if I told my whole story, it'd take forever. I, am sure we'll get into different stories as we go along this podcast, but, um, met my wife, Janine at, uh, Liberty University in Virginia, where we both went, we both sang, uh, for teams there. And, um, we got married as soon as I graduated, I was 22 and a complete idiot. Uh, just n- not like a jerk or anything, just like, just no clue what was going on in life, in my life. Um, at, at the same time, I have since discovered that I am a nine on the Enneagram, which is, you know, just a person that gets along with pretty much everybody uh, because of our a very strong desire to not have any type of confrontation or conflict. And, um, when, when we got married, I just was clueless. And I thought, I thought marriage would just be like, Hey, 
we're just going to live together and like have fun and be awesome to each other and just love life together. Um, and there's certainly been moments of that, obviously. And, and, uh, but, um, just emotionally so immature. Um, I kind of grew up in a house that, uh, it was just me and my younger brother, um, and my dad and mom. So three guys, one lady in the house. And so, um, really sit down, share your emotion type of thing. Didn't really happen all that often. Um, and by all that often, I mean, never, <laughs> I'm sure it happened. My memory's not very good either, but for the most part, uh, it wasn't, uh, I didn't grow up saying, you know, like, Hey, let's, let me hear how you're feeling. Let's talk to me about that. It just never happened. Um, and so I grew up kind of like, Hey, like get over it type of thing. You'll be fine. This will all be great. You know, in the end it'll be fine. And so, um, that didn't bode well for marriage. Yeah. That mentality. Um, I grew up similarly, so I I relate. Yeah. And I, and you know, if we're going to stereotype guys, a lot of times the guys have more difficulty in sharing their emotions and things like that. I think millennials are getting better at that. But, um, Anyways, we got married and um, that started just a, uh, between being completely emotionally uh, immature, having no clue what I wanted to do in life, uh, we just started our life in Indiana where I'm from because I had a job painting where I where I had painted for uh, a few years through high school and college. Um, and that just started, we, we ended up, I'm not going to go through the list because it's insane. But just put it to you this way, over the next 10 years, we lived in Indiana, Kentucky, uh, back in Virginia, Florida, back to Virginia again, and then in 2005, we moved here to uh, Nashville, technically Franklin, Tennessee, to help my wife's brother start a church in Nashville. What church was that? It was it was called Journey Church. Still is called Journey Church. Uh, but I remember thinking, you're starting a church in Nashville? Feels like they might have one. Or or two. Or 2,000. On the corner. Yeah. <laughs> one or two on the corner. And But I was like, okay. Um, I was a youth pastor at the time in Northern Virginia. And um, <clears throat> that that idea just sounded really fun to me, to kind of start a church from scratch. Um as well as I had a lot of respect for Jamie, my wife's brother, and um, the youth ministry and different things he had done in his life. I thought it'd be so awesome to work with him, alongside him and, and his family. And so we pulled the trigger, man. No no job, no nothing. Just came two thousand in August, I think, of 2005. And um, from there, I, I had kind of in one way or another, either, either volunteer or full-time paid, uh, vocation had been involved in ministry throughout our marriage. Um, but had really fought, not fought, but just didn't know. I I just was so, it, it was forever in my life to really nail down a passion and nail down like why I'm here, uh, kind of from a broad perspective. Like, what am I here to do? I have, here are the gifts I have. How can that be a living? How can that be a ministry? How can that be of service to people? And it just took me forever. 
to figure that out. And so, um, we moved here in 2005, helped start journey church. And, um, man, that's, that's a story in and of itself. We ended up, uh, I ended up working for a guy named Dave Ramsey. You may or may not have heard of him. He's kind of a Christian, uh, financial guru. He's the financial peace university guy that all the churches are using now. That's correct. And, uh, started working for him in 2006, worked there for almost nine years. Um, and then, um, moved, we ended up moving to Buffalo, New York, which is where my wife's from. And you're like, why would you do that? Well, we were at a point, I had left Dave Ramsey's, uh, company, um, for, um, for no other reason than I was like kind of individually for myself in a cubicle, like it just wasn't working. And I, I probably stayed too long. Um, but, uh, I, I left there and just went back to painting here in Tennessee. And, um, about a year after I left Dave Ramsey, um, this, this opportunity came up, my wife's older sister and her husband had started a church up in Buffalo where they're from and they were about five or six years in and had identified uh, another campus they wanted to open up closer to the city of Buffalo and uh, it it came through that that they were going to be given the money to purchase the campus so there's going to be no debt Um, and it was going to be this it was this old Catholic campus that had closed down it was a, it was a, like a, I want to say 300 person, uh, sanctuary, a three story school building and like a two story rectory on the back side of the campus, almost like a apartment style type of thing. And, um, I was like, man, that would be awesome to be part of that. And so we ended up saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to move up there and basically help you start this campus. I was the campus pastor there we were there almost uh, about a little over two and a half years and it was during that time that i felt like for the first time which i was i I turned 40 while we were up there Mm. and so here i am 39 40 41 years old and just finally starting to get a feel for I, i think i know at least in part why i'm here and it was to hear people's story with no judgment, no, you know, no type of like, uh, I, I grew up, <clears throat> you wouldn't know I was judging you cause I'm not the kind of person to like get in your face or anything. But in my mind, I'd be like, Oh man, um, back in the day, you know, it was just kind of like, it was like breathing. It was like breathing. Yeah. And it wasn't a judgment like, Oh, you're a really bad person, but it was more in my mind. It would go to like pity. Yeah. Like, oh man, that's they that's need to tough. buck up and yep. fly right. That's tough. Maybe what you, they'll what you got going there. Eventually and, figure it out. And uh so that was kind of you know, I wasn't taught to do that necessarily, but that's it, the culture. it was ingrained. Yeah. yeah, it was ingrained. So especially in Buffalo, I, I really started hearing people's stories. And it was such a range of people who grew up um Buffalo is highly Catholic and people who grew up in the Catholic church and, um, had been, you know, kind of, uh, abused in a sense, 
I hate to use that. I hate to use that word because that can be taken a lot of different ways, but, um, really just kind of feeling like you're only a good person if you do all these things. And that was kind of what they were taught. Like you need to give this amount of money. You need yeah. to, you know, put in this time of this legalism, legalism, exactly. spiritual and emotional abuse as a That's result right. of That's legalism. Right. And, and just the idea that, you know, you go to church because you feel like if you don't, you're, you're getting marks against you yeah. and you need all the marks. You need all the good marks you can get. God's got the of, tally card because you're a human. Yeah. And so, you know, that there's things out there that you do or think or feel that you probably quote unquote shouldn't. And so you go to church to make sure that those all get wiped clean, you know? And so it just kind of drove me nuts. And, um, it was also during this time that I started really, um, talking to God and, and digging into, um, kind of what I had been given in my life as a theological stance. Um, without much thought to it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, well, this is <clears throat> what I was taught. This is what I've lived in my whole life. And so now this must be right. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of these things kind of came together, um, w- walking with people through like really, really hard times in their lives. Um, being able to listen and just hear them without like, well, I'm sorry that happened, but, but God said, do this. And like without without that, like just being with them, yeah, and listening. Um, and so during that time, I started feeling like, man, I, I uh, my life is not about making sure that people have the correct theology, and that if they don't, I can show them the correct theology. Yeah. And it became more like, I want to hear your story. I want to be able to sit there with you. I want to be able to um, let you know, A, that you're not alone. B, that you're not a bad person, you know, because of either things you've done or things that have happened to you. Like, I don't know. I just think people need that well, it's, know, it's, more than answers Yeah, a lot of times. It's so much more validating than just, hey... Let me tell you the thing to do right and right. what you're doing wrong. Sure. Yeah. And so we we um, we ended up, we got the campus up and running. And um, we felt like a few things. Our two younger kids were, were in high school. And um, they really struggled to um, adapt to a very different culture. They had, they had basically been raised here in Nashville. And uh, the Buffalo, it's not bad. It's just different. And they uh, really struggled to adjust, and so we 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 struggled with that the whole time, to be honest. And it got to a point. It's like, well, that's one reason. Like, it'd be great to get back to Nashville, let them finish up in their the culture they grew up in, the friends, the um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then just obviously there were other things about um, what I was going through personally and spiritually that made it. Like, uh, you know what, I don't, it doesn't feel right to be on staff here and have like, I'm not sure. It, it, it was never like, oh, I think they're wrong and I'm right. It was more of like, I'm just not sure. I'm yeah. not sure that this theology is correct or that, you know, 
we, I can always die on that hill. And so it didn't feel right to be on a staff telling people, quote unquote, what to believe when I wasn't even totally sure. You had the same questions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so that was another reason. There were lots of reasons. Um, but we ended up moving back here in 2018. One year ago. Um, almost Same to, for us. Almost to the day. Like probably six days ago. It was one year ago. Uh, oh, my God. What what day was it? July 17th, I think. Oh, my God. I moved back July 15th. That's sick. 2018. And that's why we're here, folks. And that's an idiosynchronicity. That sure is. <laughs> and that's that's the whole point of the podcast. Uh, and so all that to say, uh, I, I am now uh, working with students. Um, TJ and I met actually because we both went through a, a small group. We call them villages at our church at Journey. Uh, a small group thing where you can get connected to people. And uh, they, her, he and his wife Amanda ended up joining our our uh, small group. And so we did that for a little bit, but we don't live very close to each other. Yeah, it's about 45 minutes. Yeah, so distance kind of made that not very uh, workable for us to sustain being in a small group together. But it was enough that we connected, and we've obviously stayed friends. And um, I work with, um, I work as actually a high school pastor now at Journey, and TJ works with middle school students, and so we're connected in lots of lots of ways. And um, we just got back from youth camp. We sure did. At like literally three days ago, we got back from Panama City, where we had a, a youth camp of about 65, 70 middle school and high school students out on the beach. I know. I was in a dorm, the only guy with thirty oh, of them. You guys, <laughs> TJ is the man because I got the. Uh, Cush, uh, couples room. <laughs> I'm so I'm so jelly. Yes, and TJ held down the fort with a bunch of middle school guys, and uh, I just I I to be fair, I have done that. I have been that guy uh, trying to uh, wrangle the middle schoolers to sleep, uh, or or not even to sleep, just a, a low hum of. Of noise, sanity. Yes, <laughs> uh, but that's where we we just came from, and uh, so all that to say, I'm excited. I think this the uh, the focus of this podcast is kind of exactly where my life has taken me. Just being able to hear stories, share my story, see see where our stories line up, and where we can relate to each other, and. In general, what that does for me is it says, you know what, you're not alone. And um, last week at camp, one of the nights I talked about shame. And shame is such a a huge um, topic, a huge killer of all things healthy in our lives. And And most all of us have some degree of it. That's right. Absolutely. And so for me, shame is destroyed when we bring it to the light. And um, I think that's what sharing stories does. When you share your story, you're just kind of saying, yep, this is what I struggle with. And then you find out, oh, guess what? So do these people. Yeah. So you quit hiding it. You're speaking truth. Exactly. And when we speak our truth out, it's inevitable that truth gets spoken into our lives. That's right. 
And sometimes we just have to own what we're we're feeling just to get it outside of ourselves. Yes. Because that's when it becomes toxic and it starts eating away at us from the inside out. Yes. And why not take that out and share that in community mm-hmm. so that we can be the body and we can help each other out and realize that we're not alone. Cause totally. Typically, the things we're going through, our friends and people we know are going through or have been through. Right. Too. Right. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm very excited to uh, get to hear some people's stories and share them with you guys. Um, this is, uh, I foresee it by, by nature, I'm just kind of a funny guy. I, I see humor. I can vouch for that. I see humor in a lot of things. Um, and and part of my life is, is spent filtering that because I'll see something and see humor in something and, and realize, uh, probably shouldn't speak that out because it's not the right timing. So I'm going to do my best, but I cannot make any promises. I, I totally relate to that. Uh, I had to go through a, uh, a whole process of learning when not to say the inappropriate funny joke <laughs> yes. in what context. Yes. Amanda used to be mortified oh my. by things I would say in her friend groups some of her friend groups are like in the medical field and stuff and are kind of, yeah. you know, look look down upon oh. some of the uh, blue collar humor I, I grew you, up with. <laughs> did you hear what Amanda's husband just said? <laughs> yes, Janine, my wife, is, uh, there, there's still times that I can tell she's less than amused. <laughs> yeah. But, it's you usually know, a look. Hey, you, you don't it, have it to have words. usually a look. Yeah. And in the right setting, sometimes it's like a shame. Yeah. That's over the line. I'm like, well, depends on whose line you're talking about. I, I still occasionally get that. I'm much better at it. At yes, me too. But sometimes that creates spaces of where I'm just right. dead silence for about a minute while I'm trying to process, okay, what is appropriate to say? It takes you a minute just to get yourself to not say something. Yeah. So hopefully that, that isn't a huge part of, of the podcast. And if so, we can just edit that out. That's right. Yeah. But, I promise. But the plan is to not necessarily have like an overt filter on what we're saying. Because right. we want to be open. We want to be vulnerable. Yes. We, we want this to be a show that... Obviously, most people can enjoy it, too, yes. at the same time. So I think we'll probably try and ride that line as, as best as possible. I love it. I think it'll be fun. I'm just uh, planning on being myself. Me, too. Hopefully that works out. <laughs> who, whoever that is. <laughs> right. I'm still figuring out who I am every day. That's right. So so let's talk a little bit about like who, when we say we're going to be talking to people and hearing stories... What does that look like? A lot of people think, oh, well, they're going to tell me about like Knights of the Round Table and like bedtime fairy tales. Or even worse, um, I've got my aunt in Kentucky lined up to come talk to us. I've got my cousin Billy. She's going to tell us about back in the day when they climbed 10 miles up up a mountain in the snow to get to school Mm -hmm. and somehow also climbed 10 miles up to get back from school. Exactly. Yeah, I have I have family in Portland, Tennessee, which is uh, on the border of Kentucky, and uh, I know for a fact that I have a few aunts that would, according to how they say it, dip snuff. Oh yeah, and uh, so that was a thing. I've, back I've got in some the day. I've got some good stories about that too. <laughs> but yeah, this is going to be um, 
really the focus is going to be really interesting stories from really interesting people. Some of those people you may have heard of. We're not going to give away any right now. No. Uh, ideally, when you're listening to this, you'll be able to l- go and listen to a few of them That's already. Because right. I think the plan's to drop a few at once. We'll see how that goes. But uh, not all people that you've heard of. Uh, probably and almost de- certainly, definitely, some people in the music industry, because we, we know some people mm-hmm. that would fit that category. Sure. Uh, both Christian and beyond the Christian world. And I, I think our goal is to not have this be just totally a Christian podcast, even though we are Christians. Right. That's going to come out. It's and obviously, out. we know a lot of Christians. Right. So especially as we're just getting started, we're going to go to family, friends, people that we know sure. first. Makes that's, sense. That's what you do. And I feel like God's going to use it all, regardless. Like, like any good multi-marketing multi-level marketing scheme you go to your friends and family first burn those bridges yeah yeah it's a pyramid scheme i have stories about that too unfortunately oh i'm sure we we dipped our toe in the doter we'll get into it (laughs) (laughs) anyway oh that's a big one hey that's what i'm talking about yeah oh my goodness but obviously too you know there are quote unquote regular folks that you don't know yeah. that you should know because they right. have awesome stories and totally. their stories are just as valid as the people who are quote unquote famous. Right. And there's going to be an even mix, I think of, of all of that. That's right. Yeah. I think the point is going to be with each conversation to be able to, uh, allow you as the listener to feel like you're just sitting at the table with us hearing like an incredible story, uh, from an incredible person, and like TJ said, it may not be a famous person that you are already aware of, but it might. But the goal is that it be a story that you can relate to. Yeah. So. Because it's. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm stoked, man. But I think it's you know it's just it's about humanity. It's about yeah. being human together, mm-hmm. sharing our vulnerable humanness together, and. As, as we're actually sitting at a table with four empty spots, I, I want the audience to feel like they're filling those spots. That's right. Like they got the headphones on with us. And like they, through the Facebook group and the social medias that, that, that will be out by the mm-hmm. time they're listening to this, can communicate with us mm-hmm. too. And, and we want to engage with that audience because that, that is the ministry. That's it. I mean, this isn't about making money. No. This this is literally not, just... Not yet. Not yet. You know, eventually it'd be helpful. <laughs> we could both use a little extra. Um, but just to correct you real quick, there's three chairs, empty chairs, because Jesus is sitting in, the, oh, that's in, true. in one of them. That's true. I'm sorry, Jesus. I didn't mean to diss you. Do you ever get Do you ever get that speech from your parents when you're growing up? I got that all the time. Like, uh, this is a... Uh, a one seat left for Jesus. I'm like, well, um, I don't think he sits down. He lives in my heart. Amen. Boom. Amen. Mom. So yes, we, uh, we hope, we hope that with each conversation, you just feel like you're a part of it and, um, that you can just relate to what's, what's being said. And again, be able to idiosynchronize. Oh, wow. I don't know. That's a word. Is it? 
We're making it. It work. is now. Yes. Idiosynchronize. Idiosynchronize with, us. with each conversation that we have. That's, Idiosynchronize that's the your watches. Yep. And so uh, we're we're both kind of uh, podcast junkies. Totally. And uh, you know we we're we're pretty aware of all the different types of uh, podcasts out there, and you know hopefully this is something that that uh, reaches a certain audience, and we can just go on this journey together. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I think so, man. I think I think it's gonna be an organic process yeah. and I have no expectation on it other than if we even reach one and it helps their lives the whole thing's worth it. There you go. I love it. And I I I feel like that's going to happen. Yeah. In my heart of hearts, I wouldn't be going through all the struggle of getting to just this moment cuz I I didn't have the mind to even purchase this equipment. Should I tell them about that story? Uh please do cuz it's seriously dope it, it is pretty awesome so i've been out of work for the last nine months and the wife told me if i want to create a podcast i need to figure out a way to generate money to be able to get the equipment to That's do right. that which good on, good her. on her make sure totally. we just said the same thing we did we both said good on her at the same time who owes who a coke um i'll get you one okay you already got me a it's your story though. yeah it is my story though. so I used to have an eBay business when I was like in my early 20s, late teens, back when DVDs were still a thing oh, yeah. and actually were worth something. Right. You couldn't just buy them right. for a buck anywhere. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I understood, you know, how to resell things and whatnot fairly well if I just had something to sell. And I just happened upon, when I was a little kid, I was super big into WWF wrestling. And uh, had collected a lot of the old action figures uh, from back in the day, 80s and 90s. And I discovered them in my parents' uh, storage building, a huge, like, Sterilite, falling apart, it was so full of them, mm-hmm. tub Sweet. of them. Probably like 200 wrestling figures. Well, it turns out a lot of those are worth some money. Yeah. So, and I had a couple video game systems I sold too. But all in all... I sold those. It took about a month to to sell through them. I made like two grand, <laughs> and that's it. what ha- bought, has bought all this equipment. We're uh, we're on like one of the state of the art Zoom recorders. Like I could literally, if I had the wherewithal to do so, I could make like studio quality records on this thing. I don't. I can't do that. But <laughs> but, but could I could, but I can probably throw this together enough. To with a few voices to, to be passable podcast. And yes. Ideally, that gets better as we go along, but hopefully it doesn't start out terrible. Uh, I think this equipment will help that process because we could have done it for free on an app like Anchor and just record on our phones, right. and it would have been okay. Right. But ideally, we're starting at at least a, a higher level of quality so people will actually tune in and stick with us for a minute. So this episode of Idiosynchronicity is brought to you by the WWF slash WWE. And their old wrestling figures (laughs) from Hasbro and LJN. Uh, That's such a great story. I love it. I sold a Macho Man Randy Savage from 1986 for $56 plus shipping. Daggone. R.I.P. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super sad. Yeah. No more snapping into Slim Jims. I know. That's so sad. I remember I I was not super into wrestling, but when they had the cartoon back in like the oh, yeah. 80s, I was pretty uh, big into that. Was that the Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling or whatever? Been. Yeah. I was pretty into that. but That's on the WWE Network now. Is it really? Uh-huh. I didn't know there was a network. Oh, I've been a subscriber you. for that like... Shows you. Since the beginning, so I'm I'm a closet wrestling fan. Okay. I, I don't keep up with it like on the daily. Gotcha. Because I I don't have the time to watch. Right. It's like seven hours a week. You'd have to watch it just to watch the day the weekly stuff. My goodness. I uh, I try and tune in on for what used to be the pay per views, but now you just pay ten bucks a month and you get them, and it's just the big yeah. monthly show. I try and it takes me sometimes two weeks to watch through one of those, but. Dang. I still keep up with that much of it. And I listen to a couple wrestling podcasts. Really? Yeah. That mostly talks about when I was a kid stuff. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I uh I had the chance to meet Lex Luger. Such a cool dude. He's a uh, Buffalo yeah. guy. Yeah. And uh he, he played now... football up there back in the day. Yeah, he played football, yep. And so he's uh I got to meet him because he now in his retirement, does a lot of speaking. Um, and so he spoke at our church up there. He spoke at, um, he and I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say he and I spoke at the same uh, biz, Buffalo Businessmen's Gathering, but mine was really more just a, he was the keynote speaker. <laughs> Let's put it to you that way. Yeah. Uh, mine was just more of a, uh, a, a little thing as a representative of uh, Celebrate Recovery. Hmm. ministry in the buffalo area but a super nice guy he has such a cool and powerful story oh my gosh if you don't know his story go look it up it's it's uh it's on the web somewhere i'm sure you can even find a, a video of him speaking oh yeah it's incredible um but i wanted to share tj uh so as part of our uh my working with uh, students here we we mentioned that uh we just got back from camp. Well, about two and a half weeks before that, I had a group of students in Honduras. Mm-hmm. And what we did there was uh, we helped build in a, a somewhat remote village in the mountains of Honduras. We uh, aided in building a couple houses. Uh, we worked with a ministry called IC13. A guy at our church is, uh, uh, I don't know if he would say he's a co-founder, but he, he, is it plays a huge part in it. What does IC thirteen stand for? I've always been curious. Oh, it's it's First Corinthians thirteen. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty. That's so the love the love chapter. Okay. Yeah, and so that's where that comes from. But what they do is, uh, um, they have a big presence in northern Honduras. Uh, I know they do some stuff in some other countries. I'm not totally sure which ones. But um, big presence in northern Honduras, and they just identify villages. They're to the point now where villages come to them asking, like, hey, we need we need houses. Um, because there'll be villages where you're just, you know, what you think. Like, just basically huts and shelters. Uh, no real protection um, type of thing. And so uh, they go in and identify the needs. They In this particular village that we worked in, it was called Monterey, they have already... Um, they've already put in a uh, water source uh, type of thing. 
uh, to where they can get running water, clean water, because the people were just drinking from the stream. And it was downstream from, you know, really nasty, like animals doing their thing. And the, yeah. it was just gross. Um, Stuff you can die from. Exactly. Um, so they've got they've got good water there now. Uh, they've built a couple houses already. And so we, we helped the week we were there uh, to build a couple houses. Um, he just recently, uh, Ty, uh, the director, just recently sent us some photos of the house that's finished now of a lady that we were uh, building a house for. And it was awesome to see that. And he, I just wanted to share this, you know, talking about story um, and just wrap your head around this. He asked her how the first night in the new house went. And she said, I had to get used to no bugs on me. I had to get used to quietness, dryness, and no light from the street or sky. I can lock my door. I am safe. Then I slept like never before in my life. Wow. And I don't know how old she is, but she's definitely 50s, maybe even 60. Wow. Um, and all that new to her. All that complete. We built the house right next to her shelter that she had, which was just one, gosh, it was maybe 20 by 20. No, it wasn't even that big. 15 by 20, something like that. It's like a bedroom. Pretty much. With the mattresses up against the wall, which you can tell they just laid down at night on the dirt. Yeah. Um, and so now she has a place. And again, it's not big either. But it has two small bedrooms and one kind of living area. Cinder block, house with doors that lock, uh, a roof. Um it's like hitting the lottery I'm and being rich you, all of a sudden. It's amazing. And so it just it's things like that that help me realize part of my story. How do I connect to her in this life? And in most ways, I really don't. Like I, I can't really relate to how she's lived her life so far. Um, and so what it makes me realize is that sometimes I know for me, I think a lot of Americans think that this life that we live is that's, that's the experience of, and it is our experience. And so I'm not judging it. Um, we can't help where we were born, you know, you know, it just, but it helps me, it helps open my eyes to, Hey, guess what? This is not how it is. Honestly, in most of the world, like majority, this, this is the um it's like a top five this is the anomaly you're living in the anomaly yeah you know even if you're just barely making it check to check you're right still top five percent of the world exactly and um and again i'm not downplaying anyone's problems like your problems are real problems um but man being able to witness something like that it does give you a little perspective yeah so that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, man. This is what... Uh, I think that a lot of this podcast will be just sharing stories and just being like, man, can you relate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and like you said, we're we're the goal is not for this to be a quote-unquote Christian podcast, but... You know, it's where we are. It's our experience. And so it's going to We are who we are. There's no point in hiding who we are. And you know, you and I have had some 
incredibly interesting conversations over the past year yeah that i've loved and plan to continue to do so and i think this podcast will be a a great opportunity to uh, allow for some of that uh, both with and potentially without guests in the future yeah sure so i think we're good for our first episode we're looking forward to this journey together that's right And if you're listening to this, it also means there's plenty of episodes for you to uh, check out. And so uh, please do that. So you've you've learned who we are and what we're about. Now uh, listen to some of our friends. Thanks, guys. Boom. Boom.